Hello and welcome to the Transfix Take On. I'm your host, Jenny Ruiz, and today Shelly Young is taking on the evolution of the supply chain. So Shelly's experience spans more than 25 years in consumer packaged goods, medical devices, and pharmaceutical sectors at Johnson & Johnson. And she's also served as an adjunct professor of supply chain management at Rutgers University. I am super excited to chat with Shelly today. Shelly, welcome to the show. Hi, Jenny. Good morning. It's really nice to see you again. And thank you for having me here as a guest today. Thank of you. course. Yeah. Well, let's set the stage a little bit here. I have to ask you, Shelly, did the supply chain choose you or did you choose the supply chain? <laughs> That's a really good question. So I chose it, but I'd love to say that I knew that was going to be my path from the start and I didn't. Yeah. I, I chose it with a bit of education on what it was. So I went to Penn State for my undergrad and I entered the program as a general business management major in the business school. Okay. So I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I think a lot of college students experience something similar. They want to dabble, try it out, and then they forge their path. So I just figured I would be a business major. I had to take an introduction to it was logistics at the time as part of my core curriculum. And at the time, there was really not a lot of supply chain in any educational institution. There were just a handful of schools that had something that looked like supply chain does now. So I took the class and I really got hooked because I just didn't know that this was a discipline that you could make a, a career path in. So I sort of happened upon it because I had to take it as a requirement. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Dr. John Coyle. He recently passed away and he was head of supply chain um, studies at Penn State for many, many, many years and was just a real innovator, both in the industry and in the educational space. So I think me and a lot of others that have come out of that program at Penn State really owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Coyle for showing us that this was a place that we could spend our careers. So that's how I got into it. Um, so a little bit of chance, a little bit of luck and a great mentor in Dr. Coyle that helped show us the way. That's incredible. I have to ask, was there one particular thing that hooked you or was it more the, the ecosystem of the supply chain? Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, cause I could kind of see pretty early that it was going to be a good fit for things that were interesting, you know, to me. And I think the, the curriculum did a really good job, even in those earlier phases of supply chain and explaining how important relationships are and connectivity is. So they focused as much on like the discipline of the parts of the supply chain as much as they did the broader ecosystem. So it made me really interested. And I mean, this is decades ago, right? So to your point, think about how it's even changed more since then. But yeah, that's what really got me interested in it. Very cool. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you've watched this firsthand, right? It's definitely yeah. changed quite a bit. Now, your career, I know we, we noted at the top of the show, in the industry spans more than 25 years. And yeah. in that time, there's been quite an evolution, you know, speaking with some of our shippers, I think they've shared that now that the pandemic dust has kind of settled, these operational inefficiencies that yeah. existed in 2019 have now like resurfaced and come back to light. Yeah. What would you say some of those inefficiencies consist of and how do you think they're tackling it now? Oh, that's a that's a really that's a good question. Um, there's a few things that I think come to mind, either things that I saw myself or things that are coming up now that I'm speaking to other companies as part of my new role yeah. as a consultant. So like one of the things I'm hearing a lot about is like a disconnect or latency between the demand signals of the customer and the supply replenishment strategy to support that. 
So the further you get from the customer, this is one of my favorite things to teach in school, you know, the, the, the bigger the variability gets. So you're left with kind of a lot of inventory. And I think that's what a lot of companies are dealing with now is that gap in the signal caused them to react to a demand change that's no longer required. So there's there's inventory as a result of that that needs to be managed. That's right. So I think companies are trying to figure out how to get better communication with their trading partners, maybe use technology in a more efficient way to reduce that latency and try to integrate that real-time data um, more deliberately into their, their supply decision-making. So I think that's one thing that came to light. Okay. Um, Another one I'd say just in general about data is the ability to discern or distinguish noise from a real trend or a signal that would suggest that a supply chain organization should take a specific action, whether that be changing a supply lane or activating a business continuity plan. To be fair, there was so much going on the last few years that it wouldn't have been easy, even with the best capability to find, um, to know when to react and know when to wait. But I think this is prompting organizations to really seriously consider more digital capabilities, predictive analytics to help their teams know when to react to something that is changing versus when to wait it out and, and manage it. So there's some lessons there, I think, too. You know, what's interesting is that the supply chain, historically speaking, right, is very apprehensive to technology or new technologies yeah. that come into yeah. the market. Are there any that you feel like have made its way in and have, you know, a permanent fixture here in the supply chain? That's a good question. I think um, companies that had what I would call generally a control tower capability, yeah. I'm just thinking of the transport space, right, yeah. to help them more proactively monitor and also um, accumulate data on the reliability of their trading lanes, their shipping times, their lead times, you know, fared a bit better. Um, during the pandemic, because although nobody liked the lead times that were that were coming about, at least they can see them a bit better and manage towards them. So those types of things, I think, coupled with good analytical capabilities to make sense and make action of the data, to me, are the types of things that are hopefully going to get more acceleration now that the, you know, nothing is stable, I would say yet. But now that there's a little bit of a uh, maybe a minute to take a breath, <laughs> I would say that would be the area where. Yeah, and you have to be able to see really the the broader picture here, right? Because I think right. previously, I would say maybe 15 years ago, companies were thinking more in silos based on their specific distribution centers and their right. facilities and not thinking about how one DC can affect another DC. And like you mentioned, yep. inventories have become such a huge issue. I mean, I think it was last year, somewhere around the fall, retailers were looking at how they can right size their their. Yep you know, inventory excess. And right. so all of these issues connect and really make us think about where we are and how we are going to be impacted months down the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think in general, there's an overarching theme that you just highlighted about when, when a company is looking at their, their resiliency strategies or their continuity strategies, it really has to be end to end. It's so every aspect and every node of the supply chain is so interdependent. And even as companies are making changes now to address some of these things that have come out during the pandemic, making a proactive change or a positive change also could create some different risks. So you always have to go back and, you know, reevaluate the impact of those decisions that are being made. So those are some of the lessons that I think I've, I've seen over the last couple of years.
Now, I think the question that I'm about to ask is a little bit unfair, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> do you think that shippers are going to come out stronger post pandemic than you know, yeah. now that they've been able to survive a bit? Oh, I hope, I hope so. I'm an, I tend to be an optimist. Yeah. So I think in the challenges, there's also an opportunity to step back and reflect on what was learned. And part two of that, which is a really important part, I think, for getting some win back in the sales of the supply chain organizations is for the leadership teams to really take those insights, which the folks that are in them know them the best, and actually do something proactively, you know, to address them. Because I think, you know, organizational fatigue was was real. Um, I felt it as a leader. I know my teams, you know, felt it too. I think all of us felt that over the last few years. Um, and that's the, you know, compounding effect of all of these different constraints um, that came one after the other um, and are really, you know, still there, maybe changing a bit, but there's always some, you know, geopolitical or financial or regulatory consideration that all of us are thinking about. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that this can actually be an opportunity for supply chain leaders to step into their, you know, leadership capability and right, take these right. lessons and build something positive from them. But organizational resiliency is a tough muscle, you know, to build. But I, I really hope that this is a chance for companies to take this and make some positive change from it. Let's talk a little bit, because you mentioned it there about organizational fatigue. I mean, this seems to mm -hmm. be a resounding sentiment by professionals all across the supply chain, no matter wh yep. what you know vertical you're in. So can you talk about where that comes from and how shippers can sort of reinvigorate the way that they feel about their roles? Yeah, I think it comes from, again, that compounding effect of all of those different factors that cause constraints, cause challenges. Um, in and amongst themselves, those were difficult. I think underpinning that, just the uncertainty of what was happening during the pandemic and in the broader world, everyone's lives changing, the way we were changing, it's just so, so much. Um, you know, so I think that's what really contributed to it. And like, let's be honest, like supply chain roles can be thankless roles. You know, we're, we're in this space because we believe and we know how important a well-performing supply chain is to the success of any company and serving customers or patients or whomever your constituents are, but it is not easy. <laughs> so not. Uh, I think everyone's feeling a little bit of like the weight of that lifting, hopefully starting to lift a little bit now. Um, yeah. I think what can be done to, you know, make something positive of this and, and reinvigorate folks is actually taking what was learned and taking the insights, listening to the teams about what tools they could have had or might have now to make them more successful and more resilient in their roles and implementing those um, for the teams and then taking their insights to make some of these positive changes. Uh, something else will, will cause a challenge in the future. It's always a dynamic space. So take the actions and, and learn from them. It's a fast moving sp space. And, and, you know, I think the worst decision that you can make is to kind of rest assured <laughs> that you that nothing is going to happen. We've reached the end of yep. the road at, with the pandemic and now it's, it's smooth sales. But there's yep. so many black swan events that just come up. Right. And that Absolutely. resiliency is a huge part of being, you know, being in the supply chain. And, you know, I think about it this way and I, I have to picture I'm a visual person. So I always think of like the supply chain as a true link. If there's one link that's broken or in danger of being broken, everything falls to shit. If we're being totally yeah. honest about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think any good resiliency program or transformation, whatever you want to, whatever we want to call it, yeah. has to have the focus on the talent and the people at the core of it. Exactly. We can have all the snazzy tools and the great capabilities that we want to have, but we don't have an engaged, talented, you know, interested in innovative workplace that's well cared for at the center of it. None of it really, none of it really works. None of it works. You're absolutely right. Now, I want to talk a little bit about how organizational fatigue has kind of amplified or changed the way shippers approach partnerships specifically uh, yeah. with their suppliers, because this has been yeah. an ongoing thing, especially in the last 10 years. Now, we're constantly reporting on, you know, the contract and spot market swings. It's the biggest conversation that we have here at Transfix. Yeah. But can you talk a little bit about how that that partnership has really developed, changed for the better, for the worse, what have you? Oh, so yeah, this is an interesting one. It's a good question because my take on it is this. I've seen it too many times to doubt it. I think the importance of strong and trustful partnerships between suppliers and shippers, carriers and shippers is absolutely critical. And when I say trustful, I mean it's transparent and there's some shared opportunity or some shared relationship for both benefits and shared risks, right? Yep. Um, the being above board with with the intent and what you're thinking, those those are important relationships to have in good times and in constrained times like we've all just experienced. Um, like I, but you know what, though, I don't think shippers taking some lanes out to the spot market is like a sign of being disloyal to their trusted partner. So long as they're, you know, kind of above board and transparent about it. Yeah, this, this spot market dynamic. Uh, tends to happen when the market is more volatile, right? So if there's a thought that there's a better rate to be gained than you can find in your contract, you may be more likely to put something out on the market and see if some benefit can be gleaned. But the converse can also happen, you know, too. So yeah. I think like the most important thing to me is a company or a shipper needs to think about the strategic purpose of their sourcing program and what is it that they're looking to achieve what and what is it that they're shipping too because right. that has a lot to go to do with whether you contract or or you spot um so i would say maybe to summarize on this one i would encourage shippers to really think strategically about this and building those relationships is a long-term game it can be a long-term game especially when capacity is constrained you know so there's some Yes, there could be some short-term benefit to be had on the spot market, but what's the opportunity cost of that when your carrier partners might have to make decisions on where they're allocating constrained equipment, right? Now it's going the other way, but it could tilt the other direction again. So it's and long game is my is my opinion on that one. I absolutely agree with you. Now, um, on the opposite, now my dog is, is up and at him, right? <laughs> Does she agree with me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the opposite end of that, right, we have these, There's, it's twofold, I think, the argument for the carriers. they We have an, uh, both net new carrier revocations that have come up, uh, I think, in increasing numbers over the last three quarters. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side of that, these newer carriers that come into the market, I think, I, I feel like they get bad advice that playing in the spot market is the only way to go. And in this particular season, it's not. So right. where do you right. stand on that part? Yeah, that's a really good, that's a good question too. And I think, you know, I'm thinking of it from the standpoint of a shipper going back to that point about relationship development too. And sometimes like when I led a team that did this type of work, we were always interested in finding new partners to work with, then maybe not give them all the volume right out of the game. Right, of course. Start small and show capability, build the relationship, 
maybe their business continuity for certain lanes. And then you kind of grow and build from there, assuming the quality and the service, you know, and the cost is uh, beneficial for both parties. And, you know, kind of dabbling in the spot market from that standpoint isn't really going to give you your inroads, if you will, with the shipper community. So like my advice to the carriers would be to think about both, you know, play, because you have to run your business, right? Play in the spot market, you know, to keep the lanes coming to you, but really find and market yourself to carrier or shippers that you think match the type of, you know, capability or your value proposition that you're offering as a carrier, build some relationships in parallel. I would not suggest an, a one or the other option is the best way to go from my from my experience. I think that's excellent advice and one that often gets overlooked, right? And, you know, and, and look, it's been, I think we keep saying this, the last, the last 10, 15, 20 years of, of trucking have been insanely volatile to the fact that I think that th- those partnerships have been damaged knowingly yeah. so over the course of, you know, lack of transparency, right? Mm-hmm. Taking away freight that was originally promised, but maybe there's a, one reason or another because of the carrier, right? And so I'm hoping, and I think I'm starting to see it as well, these dynamic shift for the positive and for the long haul, because at the end yeah. of the day, can't have one without the other. <laughs> Not, ab- absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It really is a long, it's a long game, I think, in, in that relationship building space. It is a long game. Now, last week, you and I had had a discussion, right? And we spoke about the supply chain being treated like a backroom operation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and given mm. the last three years, it's become a profession that went from kind of ominous to now everybody has an opinion on how the supply chain <laughs> right. can run and how it can be run better. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's it's such an interesting dynamic right now. I think because there's so much more awareness of the supply chain now than there ever has been. Like for years, I had to explain what I actually did for my my job. But we're all, you know, we're all consumers of something, right? So we've all experienced firsthand the impacts of the disruptions of the supply chain, you know, for the last couple of years. So we know that now. So yes, there's there's now a lot of opinions on how it can be done better or faster. And those of us that have been in this space for a while are like, what do you think the magic was just happening all of these, all of these years? You know, we, we appreciate how complicated it actually is to do this work. So I think, you know, yes, that maybe more, more folks have an opinion about it now, but you know, in a way the spotlight has now been shined on the supply chain. And I think, as leaders in this space, we can use that, you know, to like own our opportunity to make because we do we know we make an impact, but to share with others on, you know, the importance of this function. So yeah, I was sharing that, you know, businesses can't run without a well performing reliable supply chain and customers can't be serviced without it. So where it was the back room for you know, years at the beginning of my career. And sometimes I cringe when I think about it now, but I heard it described as a cost center and I'm like, oh, oh no. no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Luckily, I think, I think, and I hope those days are well behind us now. I think um, because in reality, they're enablers of growth. They're contributors towards profitability, certainly connections to strong customer satisfaction and a place where you can have a really, you know, enriching career. So yeah, I kind of, I would never have wished for this all to happen. This is not the way I would have liked for people to know more about supply chain. But I yeah. think now that it's happened, um, we have an opportunity to really, you know, educate it on its on its importance. So I think that's actually, a, in a way, a good thing. And there's so many paths in the supply chain, right? I mean, down from, yeah. uh, there are coordinators, there are dispatchers, there are logistics managers. I mean, I, I, 
the list is really endless here. And so it does yeah. become a lucrative career that I think a lot of professionals kind of overlook, you know, what, and, and all we do is order and purchase things every single day. I mean, why yeah. do you think it is that it gets overlooked? I think we need to do a better job in supply chain of being storytellers and, mm -hmm. and really like bring to life what it really means to work in this, in this field. Um, because what I've learned, one of the things I've learned over the years is there's actually quite a bit of opportunity to be creative and innovative in this space. There really, there really is. Yeah. And I didn't know that at the beginning. Um, it just, you have to get a little ground beneath your feet and some experience to see it. So I think those of us that have been in the industry a longer, bit longer can, you know, pay that forward by being more illustrative in how we talk about what it is to really work in this space. All of us have stories. I have some really good ones. That we can talk about it another time, but <laughs> that's what makes it real for folks. Yeah, because you're right. I think there's a lot. Maybe there's perceptions about it too that we could, you know, that we could uh, that we could address. But um, yeah, I think it's it's not something that's always really well known, and you know, it is encouraging to see more programs for it. You know, at the university level now, you know, to try to get folks involved early. I think the importance of getting early work experience in the space too, even while you're a student also helps, you know, with that as well. So you kind of have to see it in action to really understand it. You really do. Now, speaking mm -hmm. of university, as an adjunct professor at, of supply chain at Rutgers, you mentor students, namely our very own Rob Case, who we mentioned earlier, who is one of our enterprise account executives here. I'd right. love to know, what do you think of this next generation of supply chain professionals and how they differentiate themselves from, from sort of past generations, if you will? I think, um, I think now there's a lot more opportunity for different interests, different backgrounds and different skill sets to find a home in supply chain and be very successful and thrive in it. I think a lot of it has to do with how the supply chain's position in the organization has been elevated and has been evolving over these years. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking now that, and I'll, you know, I'll kind of call out a couple of areas, you know, data science and predictive analytics and knowing how to actually use artificial intelligence to make to make decisions. And there's so much application for all things related to data. That wasn't really a thing when I was coming out of school, but it really is now. So there's a whole new need for that talent to come into supply chain and help build out those innovative solutions. I'm also thinking about things like sustainability, you know, in the circular supply chain and the important role that supply chain ha has of being stewards of sustainability and reducing waste and reducing carbon footprint. So for students that have an interest in pursuing that discipline and a purpose, there's there's a home for them in, in supply chain. And then I think that last thing about partnerships and collaborations, that's sort of the softer side yeah. of supply chains. But like I've seen it again too many times to doubt it. It is critical. And I'm and I'm talking like everyone's relationships, internal, you know, upstream, downstream. Connecting those those more. those connections have to be really well well um, intact to have a supply chain operate well. So I think students that have proven they have the ability to work well with others and see the benefit of something greater by working together instead right. of independently will do really well in this space. It's it's absolutely, you know, paramount. No, no one part of the supply chain has all the answers on their own. They really do rely on the insights of partners to to make the outcome even better. So those are some of the things that I have in mind in terms of what I would tell students, you know, that are coming in now, like what types of skills would help you differentiate yourself?
I love that. Now, you know, I, this is my favorite fact. This next generation also includes a growing number of women. And I, you know, 25 years ago, I feel like you could probably tell me that there weren't that many women in the supply chain, you know, yeah. especially in, on the executive side, right? In the decision yep. maker side, it was more, yep. even then trucking, women in trucking was kind of like, what? I don't understand what that is. Now we've seen yeah. an influx of the C-suite executives and decision makers kind of join the ranks. Why do you think it's become more of an attractive profession for women? So I agree with you. I'm encouraged by seeing more women um, assume leadership roles and make their impact in supply chain. I want to see more women in, in executive roles Absolutely. in any leadership role really within supply chain. And, you know, I, I like to think that it's because more companies are appreciating the benefit of the diversity and thought and perspective and know that there's more need for that because doing things the way that we always did it just does not work in this space anymore. There's a big differentiation between companies that have reliable, flexible, and resilient supply chains and evolving supply chains and those that do not. So there's a seat and a need for women to have um, a voice in these conversations. So um, I think there's more of an appreciation for relationship building, creativity, problem solving, you know, a lot of skills, and I don't mean to overgeneralize, but but women tend to have a lot of those those traits. Certainly men do too. But my point is, is that there's more of a, I think, need and um, appreciation for that diversity of perspective. But there's always room for more, you know, and I feel a, I feel a responsibility. And I think it's it's really a, a privilege to mentor, you know, men and women, but but women in particular that are coming up through the supply chain ranks, because from my standpoint, I'm grateful for the mentorship that I got, you know, yeah. throughout the course of my career, again, from both men and women leaders that I appreciated, but more of that representation, you know, from a women leadership standpoint is important. So we need to be there to help you know, help uh, encourage this next generation of, of leaders to do the same. Which segues us into this next question that I have for you. What advice would you give to, and this is such a, a an, another unfair question, because I think there's a lot of bits of advice that you can give here, but what advice would you give to the next generation of professionals entering the industry now at such a really weird time? <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. It really, <laughs> really is. It really is. <laughs> I would just say, like, you know, you have to be open to the growth and the challenges. And I think now, and I did not understand this when I was coming into the industry, it's like an acquired learning <laughs> over a lot of years, <laughs> that the growth is actually in the challenges. Like, challenges are not always to be avoided. They're not comfortable. And you have to be willing to, like, not be comfortable if you're going to be a supply chain professional and leader, because it is a, is a, it's an evolving space. But I think that that's the beauty of it as well. There's always an opportunity to learn a new skill, solve a new problem, or build a new relationship. So you have to enjoy it and really thrive in that. And be confident about sharing your ideas. Um, because again, like all this stuff that happened the last few years, so much of it was unprecedented and there's some learning in that. You know, So for, for folks and students entering the industry now, you have to be confident in sharing your ideas and be ready to evolve. Um, is it is an amorphous industry. And I think that's what makes it exciting. But you have to know that when you're getting into it. <laughs> you have to... Very true. 
Yeah, absolutely. Shelly, I'd love to, I'd love it if you could talk to us about your consulting business. And I know that you are specifically consulting with mid-market shippers, yes. right? Yes. I just started a new business in uh, January of this year. So as That's you mentioned awesome. at the beginning, I was with J&J &J for the, my whole career. Yeah. I'm a college student on and was you know grateful for all of the amazing opportunities and learnings that I had there. So in this phase of my career, I'm taking that experience and learnings and I'm um, collaborating with mid-market size companies who are generally in the U.S., you know, growing at a at a very strong rate, yeah. you know, and contribute significantly to the economy here. So I want to help them ensure that as they're continuing their growth, that their supply chain is capable and ready to support their aspirations, launching a new product, growing into a new region and serving their customers you know, at the uh, standard of excellence that they're expecting. So that that is my uh, that is my new venture. Very, um, very. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, congratulations on starting this new venture, especially, you know, in January. And I know that your business is going to be booming because just speaking oh, with you, you in the two times that we've spoken thus far, and I hope to continue this relationship with you, you know, you have such a wealth of knowledge that I think is really going to add so much value to a lot of these companies. And now for the companies that are interested, where can they find you at? Oh, thanks, Jenny, for that. So I can be reached. I have uh, maybe two main ways of being reached. So I'm on LinkedIn. So you can find me, Shelly Young. Uh, Shelly Young Consulting is my company. So I can be direct messaged via LinkedIn. I also have a website, ShellyYoungConsulting.com, that has the capability to do a contact and, and connect uh, via my website. So awesome. thank you for uh, asking that. Yeah. And don't forget that Shelly with an E. So it's S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. I know I had to say it because you're the best. Thank you for mentioning that. Of course. It's no problem. I mean, Jenny with an I, why people are confused. But I had to make sure we got it down. Shelly, what a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. And you are welcome back anytime at all. Oh, thank you, Jenny. It was such a pleasure. I really enjoyed our conversation. Hopefully you can tell that I have a lot of you know, love for this space. And, you know, I love to talk about it for a long time. So I would love to come back at some time in the future and talk more with you. This was really fun. Absolutely. I will take you up on that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change.